Coming up, I'm going to show you how to compete without comparing. And then Americans at huge numbers are afraid of not being able to pay back their debts. Where we are, why we got there, and how we get out next. Helping you win in your work life so that you're winning in the rest of your life. This is the Ken Coleman Show. I'm Ken, so excited that you're with us. All right, so for many, many years, I have said on this show, and will continue to say that if you are trying to be intentional as a professional, you're trying to win. And again, all your goals can be very, very personal. But if you are trying to win as a professional, you are competing. And when you don't see it that way, you are, I think, holding yourself back. That doesn't mean that you know you're competing every day, each and every day in a in a specific competition. But look, if you want to keep growing, and there are other people in the office that want to keep growing, and other people outside your office who may take a job in your company and they want to grow, I promise you, you're competing. So at some point in your life, if you want to advance, you're going to have to then accept this. Okay, I accept it. Well, here's the problem. Most of us don't see it that way. And because we don't see it that way, we don't act that way. We don't actually compete. You know what we end up doing? The default is not to compete. The default human reaction is to compare. Comparison, though, leads to obsession. And then obsession, obsessing over other people starts to break us down in so many ways. The stress from the obsession the paranoia from the obsession, the fear from the obsession, the doubt from the obsession. By the way, I suffer from it. You all suffer. We all suffer from it. we got to be careful. But what happens is we get our eyes off of our prize. We get our eyes off of what we can be doing, what we should be doing. And what happens is instead of acting, we react. We start reacting to what we're seeing versus acting on our own goals and our own desires. Comparison waters down our actual unique advantage. Uh, I was doing some research for this and uh, well-known designer. Is it, is it, of course I've got, wait a second. Do we have any, there we go. Do we have any women in the booth back there? Is it Hermes? Is that the designer name? H-E-R-M-E-S. Hermes, thank you very much, Jenna. Did you help us out with that one? No, she did. Oh, oh, Damon did. Wow, very nice. Hermes. Now, this is a great quote. I mean, this is a high-end design house. Listen to this. We don't look too much at the competition because we might be influenced. I just want that to sit. We're going to sit right there. Now, we don't look too much. Now, the quote doesn't say we don't look at all. It says we don't look too much. We don't look too much. What I take from that is we don't obsess. We don't stare. We don't stalk. Aware of our competition? Yeah. But we don't spend so much time looking at them because if we look at them and the way they do things all the time, guess what? That designer says that they'll lose their creativity. We'll be influenced. He doesn't want to be influenced. So let's talk about how you can compete without comparing. So using that quote is really great inspiration. Be aware of what the best practices are, the trends, the the baseline of performance. 
on your team in the marketplace. Let's say that you are a graphic designer. What are the latest tools? What are the latest techniques? Are you using them? Do you need to get competent in them? Who's using them? Why are they using them? The idea of being aware of what's going on out there, but not obsessing, not staring at every other designer or what they're doing because you're going to end up psychologically beginning to change the way you would design something to make it match or fit in with somebody that you're staring at too long. So be aware of what's going on out there, but ignore everything else. Don't don't dive into their business strategy. And what, no, no. How do you believe you should do it? That's the brilliance of that great quote. This is who we are. This is how we design clothes. This is how we design jewelry. This is what we do here. And, and our competitors, well, we're not gonna we're not gonna stare at them too much. We're not gonna look at them too much. We want to know what they're up to, but only in context to how they're different from us. That's what Hermes is saying. I, I want to see what other designers are doing but only in the context of, you know what? We wouldn't do it that way. This is who we are. Ah, I see who they are. The idea here is, is don't lose your unique identity. This is your competitive edge. Set the standard for yourself. Set the standard for yourself. Don't let anybody else set the bar for you. When you are comparing yourself to your coworkers and teammates and other people, then you are essentially saying that their bar is your bar. But if I were to come up to you and I were to say, hey, um, you want to be successful? And you would say to me, yeah, I'd like to have a successful life. Okay, great. Um, I'm going to bring five people to you tomorrow that I think you should you should live like them. Could you imagine if I just said that to you? I think that would be a little off-putty, wouldn't it? Like, well, uh, who, who do you think you are, Ken, that you're going to pick five people that I need to emulate? Now, some people might go, man, I think that's a great idea, but I don't think, I'm talking about real people. I'm not talking about celebrities. I'm saying, I guess, you know what, you need to live like them. You would kind of go, I think I'll make that decision. That's the point. Set your standard. You know, I, I get the opportunity to coach a lot of people, and if somebody would come to me, a young person would come to me and said, hey, uh, what would you tell me as I head into the world of work and to be a professional? I want to be a leader. I, I want to do this. I want to do that. What would you tell me that I need to do? And I would say, work harder on yourself than you do your job and set the standard that you want to hit. You set the bar that you eventually want to get to. And then you have absolute crazy focus on it. Because if you do, here's what I know about the workplace and the professional world in general. Very few people will make that commitment. And if you make that commitment, let me tell you what's going to happen. By the law of averages, because most people won't do that, you will just incrementally pass people. Sometimes just by doing what it takes to stick with it. You know, one of the qualities that I think is needed in today's world of work is grit. Just, you know what? This environment sucks right now. I'm not happy with this. 
or I'm not happy with that. And this is not the way our company should be doing it. And our leader, I, I don't know that I would follow him into a candy store. Whatever. All of that can be true, but it could be something that you have to work through. And what's on the other side of that? I just think about marriage as an example. And I don't in any way want to be insensitive. I've got brilliant and awesome and amazing friends. I've got family members that have have, uh, been divorced and remarried. And so this is not said with any shame towards anybody that has been divorced. There's my qualifier. I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm I'm not actually going to talk about that. But there it is. There's my qualifier. I don't judge anybody that's been divorced. But I will tell you that there are millions of people that didn't have to and shouldn't have had to get divorced. But we made it so easy, and now it's a cultural norm. And we just say, wow, we're going to do the big ceremony, we're going to spend too much on the wedding, and we're going to do all the things, we're going to make the commitment in the eyes of God and in the eyes of people we love, and if things get a little rough down the road, we're going to bail. And I've been married 25 years. It has not always been easy. And I understand how some people go, this is, I don't want to do this. I don't want to work through this. I'd rather just say, we're not a good fit and let's make the best of it. That's not grit. Grit goes, I made the commitment. I'm going to work on me. We got to work on we. And while I'm working on me, hopefully that's helping us the we get better and then you do what a lot of couples do and you figure it out and you stick with it and it gets better and then here's what happens and now i can tell you 25 years in and my wife and i were talking about this this weekend we are very glad we didn't throw in the towel there's something to be said for people who say this is who i am as an individual There's something he said for couples who say this is who we are and this is who we are going to remain, which means we are unified, we are married, and we are going to work through it. And when you come out on the other side of all of the fire and all of the storms and all of the stuff, now you've got something that's really authentic and unique and special, and people talk about that. So what's true of marriages is true of individuals. What's true of individuals is true of businesses. If I am always comparing my job, my career, my bank account, my marriage, my kids, my whatever, fill in the blank, with everybody else's, I lose the uniqueness of my design. I use the I lose the uniqueness of my story. And that's what makes us special. So that's why I want you to stop comparing and just compete. Be the best version of you. I think you're going to like how it turns out. This is the Ken Coleman Show. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Don't we all need help being better? And they're great at it. You know, we all carry around a lot of stress from our family life and our professional life, and it can just hit us at the same time. Big stuff, small stuff. 
And we can talk to our friends, or maybe you have a great relationship with a leader at work or a coworker, but you may not feel comfortable telling them everything. I know I wouldn't. And when we keep things bottled up, it will eventually leak out, and it's really negative. But therapy, it's a safe space to get everything off your chest with an unbiased professional and figure out how to work through the stuff that's weighing you down. So if you've thought of therapy before, you're thinking about it now, please try BetterHelp. Therapy isn't just for people who've gone through trauma. It's great to build skills, to become better personally and professionally. And BetterHelp is flexible enough to fit your busy schedule because it's completely online. All you do is fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get stuff off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ken today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ken. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. All right. Uh, uh, the Ken Coleman Show is a part of the Ramsey Network, Ramsey Solutions, being uh, named after Dave Ramsey, the man who's helped millions and millions and millions of people get out of debt, and I'm a, a very privileged co-host of the Ramsey Show on a regular basis. And uh, this story is very relevant to all of us, uh, no matter what show you are listening to, because so much of our work is going towards things that we don't want it to go to. And I'm going to highlight that right now. Here's where we are. This is this is uh, very interesting data. Uh, interesting, the kind word. Discouraging is the negative word. New poll has found that half of all Americans with credit card debt are concerned over their ability to pay it back. We'll go down the levels of concern here in a moment. Redfield and Wilton Strategies did this for Newsweek magazine, and they found that 46% of Americans with credit cards are either very or fairly concerned over paying back their spending debts. Now, I want to make sure you catch this. They're not very or fairly concerned about making their credit card payments each month. They're very or fairly concerned about actually paying it all back. That tells me they think, I'm going to be carrying credit card debt the rest of my freaking life. Holy crap. That'll make you want to get out a bottle of wine and a blanket in a funny movie. How depressing is that? Can you imagine waking up every morning with that hanging over you? Uh, this is crazy. 28% of Americans are very concerned. So uh, I was kind of giving you the 46% contained everybody that was very or fairly, but of the very concerned, in other words, they're, they're freaking out. 28% of Americans. Very concerned that they'll ever be able to pay off their credit card debt. 28% of Americans have one credit card in their name. 25% of Americans have two credit cards and 12% have three. Americans with more than three credit cards was recorded at 13%. That's a lot of people. The number went up from 11% just in 2023. Popped two percentage points of people having more than three cards. They're just loading stuff up, folks. They're not stopping. Hey, that one's full. I'll take another, Johnny. And they get another credit card. 
Americans owe a staggering combined one, where's my Dr. Evil voice when I need it? One trillion dollars and growing. That wasn't even a good Dr. Evil at all. I want to call that out for those of you who comment on things like that. I do recognize that. That was not good. It's not my best Dr. Evil voice, but, you know, we gave you the mental image. One trillion dollars and counting. This according to the Federal Reserve Bank. Now, I love this. They always go to an, an expert, and sometimes I get quoted in these articles as an expert, so i got to be careful here. But I pray that if I am ever quoted again in another article as an expert, that I don't say something as stupid as this expert just is about to say that I'm going to read. I'm not going to say his name because that, that would be unkind. And there's no need for me to un, be unkind. But this is an expert. Speaking of all of this horrible data I just gave you, kind folks, listen to what this Nostradamus came up with when the media asked him to comment. I believe credit card debt has reached record-breaking levels due to persistent inflation. Ah, okay, thank you. Thank you for showing up. Really? Anybody else? Nobody else seeing how stupid that quote is? It's the dumbest thing I've ever in my life. Credit card debt reaches record levels every year for the last 20 years, keeps going up, not because of inflation, but because people can't control their spending. This has nothing to do with inflation. In fact, I'll tell you how stupid this guy is. Next year at this time, pay attention to the credit card debt, and we will be at a new record of credit card debt and inflation. It doesn't matter where inflation is. So this, this bonehead has been paying attention to the news too long and doesn't think about human behavior. So he comes up with what a person who has no depth would say. And he says, well, I mean, you know, inflation's up. So people have to use their credit cards to be able to handle groceries. No inflation is up. That's true. However, people aren't on a budget. People aren't planning for Christmas. People are living paycheck to paycheck. We have now in America the highest percentage, over 50% of six-figure earners are still living paycheck to paycheck. And I say something like that, by the way, and they put it out on YouTube or it goes on Instagram, and people come at me and say the nastiest things to me. And it really hurts my feelings. No, it doesn't at all. They say nasty things to me. Ken, you have no idea what you're talking about sitting up there in your ivory studio, one clown said to me recently. First of all, it's not an ivory studio, but I get the point. Oh, you don't have any idea how much money you need to live. Yeah, I do. I have three teenagers, two of which are boys. I need to have, let's say, a quarter of Costco to properly feed these boys every month. Don't tell me I don't know how much money it costs. I got two teenagers that are driving, a third on the way. I know how much car insurance costs. By the way, I'm not like all these politicians that don't know how much a gallon of milk costs. I know how much a gallon of milk costs. I know how much hamburger costs. Good Lord, don't ask me how much bacon costs. Did I mention the teenage boys? So stop coming at me telling me that I don't know how much things cost. I know how much things cost. But my wife and I do not use a credit card for expenses. We don't use a credit card at all. 
So what's happening is when you live paycheck to paycheck and you don't budget and you don't plan and you have no self-discipline and you have no eye on the future and then inflation happens, guess what? Then you are susceptible to fall back on a credit card. So it is, and again, I'm the reason I'd say the person's name because this, this kind gentleman is probably not an idiot. Uh, it was an idiotic statement. But this guy is just saying what everybody else in culture says, which is it's okay to have a credit card for little extra emergency expenses. And golly day, if things are tight, just put it on the credit card and get a little cash back. That's always good. And we'll figure it out later. And so what happens is culturally, what we do is we kick the can down the road. And folks, back to this. For those of you who don't think my rants always tie in, it's back to the start of this. Millions and millions of Americans don't believe that with confidence that they'll be able to pay their credit card debt back. They have kicked the can down the road. And you know what they're saying? This very data says they believe they're just going to keep kicking the can down the road and never pay it off. Stop kicking the can. Act like an adult. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to the Ken Coleman show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman, BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman show. All right, let's coach some folks up. We got Rodney's on the line at Salt Lake City. Rodney, you're on the Ken Coleman show. How can I help? Hey, Ken, thank you for taking my call. You bet. Um, What's up? So back in September, I was involved in a nasty car accident. Oh, my um, gosh. What uh, happened? Oh, just, some stupid young girl did a left-hand turn in front of me. Oh, but, um, no. <laughs> anyway, so I haven't been able to return to my full-time job. And but it's actually been a blessing because during this time, I've been able to take my side gig and run it with full steam <laughs> and it's been a blessing um, I've come alive um, and it, it's just what I want to do um, what is that side um, hustle it's uh, in a notary public here in Salt Lake okay and and so it's bringing about five hundred six hundred dollars a week oh wow and so it's pretty much at that same level as what I was doing prior to working at the airport. Okay, now, so it's making basically the same amount of money. Well, 
a little less, but you know, but at the same time, I, I'm doing about 10 to 15 hours of doctor appointments a week. Yeah, what's so, going on physically? Is it is that limiting you, by the way? Oh, uh, I don't think it it won't be. I'm on the tell and everything. Everything's closing down that way. Okay, good. Um, okay. Um, there shouldn't be any long-term. Okay. But at the same time, I can do what I was doing before, but should I is a different question because uh, I'm not getting any younger and the injuries... They're not going to go away. What were you specifically doing at the airport? Um, I was cleaning aircraft, moving equipment. So really, like heavy, heavy duty physical labor. Yes, sir. Okay, how old are you? I'm 45. Oh, you're a youngster! My gosh, <laughs> man, take it easy, Rodney. You maybe you man, you making me feel old. I'm older than you, man. Slow your roll on all this. Yeah, um, but. In reality, though, no, I, I, I understand that type of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So, uh, but did I hear you say you're on short-term disability? I am. When will that end? Oh, uh, it'll be the first of this year. So, um, so I still have a little bit of time on that. Um, but what's nice, like I said, is I really enjoyed taking this to the next level. And if when the doctor stuff goes away. I'm sure I can pick up enough appointments where I'll be at the same level as my previous job. Wow, you really feel good about that. I really do. Um, that, and I'll have a little bit of a settlement too, which will put some um, okay. gas in the tank for the business. So, okay. Uh, um, my question is: Should I return to a full-time job, even for a little bit during this process, or should I just cut? Cut bait. Well, what's um, your financial situation? Do you have any debt? I don't have any debt. Um, you know, but I'm living paycheck, paycheck but you know. So of you accident, have no but, debt, and do you have a savings account with any emergency fund money in it at all? Not at this time. Um, the accident wiped me out, but. Um, when do, when do you think you'll money. get a settlement? Um, two or three months from now. Any idea? ballpark what that settlement could look like it's gonna be nice it'll be nice to put a little bit in savings six months of savings and maybe a little bit into a business to run so how much is that <laughs> um if you don't want to share a, it if you don't want to share it that's it, fine my point is i'm it, trying to run it, through it, the numbers it's going to be a couple years of income oh so. my goodness okay that'll help me okay. all right great so we got a couple years of income uh, that yeah. we believe are, is going to be coming in in uh, three months or yeah. so. So let's call that March, April. And yeah. um, even May, probably. Okay, sure. Let's right? push it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm trying to answer your question, and I think the answer is yes. I would go back. Uh, I know you're 45. You're not getting any younger. <laughs> I know all that stuff. I know it's hard <laughs> manual labor. Um, yeah. But I would go back, or or I wonder if there's something else you can do with those same skill set. Maybe it's not back to the airport. Maybe it's not as difficult to work. But I, I would be looking at the airport job, which is there. They know you, and you can step right back in. I'm going with yeah. the easiest, most, offense, uh, most efficient play okay. here. And so I'll your recommendation is just to yeah, take I'll, it. I'll tell you, it's yeah, something I'll, you know, and then use it as just a jumping off point from there. Yeah, here's what I would do. Settled. Okay. Yeah, I would take that job and let's just play this out till May using your your timeline. And let's say yeah. that it May is when the settlement comes in. 
What I would be doing is I'd go back to the airport and I would live off of the airport job salary. I would continue to try to do the notary stuff at night or early mornings or weekends. And I would try to pocket as much of that five to 600 per week that you've been making. I'd like to stack that in savings. Okay. And then when the settlement comes in, um, then, then we put the settlement in savings short term until you sit down with a smart investor pro and look at investing some of that, um, getting yourself set up. I'd like to see you have three to six months expenses, which you'll easily yeah. have. And then the rest yeah. of it, I would begin investing and yeah. I would then walk away from the airport job and I would bust my butt, but I would, I would be, I would be doing as much notary work as I could, uh, essentially replacing or exceeding the airport job. And if you do that, now okay. we're now we're crushing it. Yeah. So I yeah, I would sense. use it as insurance right now because you're living paycheck to paycheck and you shouldn't be. And so I want yeah. you saving money since you have no debt. As soon as you start back to the airport first of the year, um, I would be saving all every nickel of the notary money. Okay. That and now sense. you've got a you know, a pretty nice emergency fund that you're building and then you finish yeah. it off when you get the settlement. Now all of a sudden you're doing work you really enjoy that brought you emotion, positive yeah. emotion, and you can set your own hours, you work for yourself. I love that play. Okay. That's what I was thinking about, but I think Well, I think you had a really good thought and all I'm doing is confirming yeah. you. Um, but I think that's right. really, really smart. Now the only caveat to this would be, as I said earlier, if you can transfer the skill and the experience that you have used in the airport job and maybe transfer that into another gig, getting paid about the same amount of money or more, maybe it's not as backbreaking. If you can pull yeah. that off, I like that play too. That's just a lot of extra work, quite frankly, that if physically yeah. you can handle it, then that's why I, the first option yeah. is the best and easiest for you. Yeah. And then my main goal is to just be on my own. Um, yeah. I wanna, well, as, it, a road, as a notary, you are on your own, yes? Yeah. Yeah, and I enjoy the work, and it's really not just the money that's coming in. It's actually helping people yeah. in situations. And, um, you know what's interesting? I'm glad you're on the phone. I'm going to ask you this very quick because uh, we, we shared this on the show the other day that the notaries is a, is a growing industry. Um, it is. It, it, it is. And it's interesting to me that you could stay as busy as you are. Um, how long do you spend if you're not, you know, getting to know them and, you know, going deeper in a conversation, you're being nice, you're being kind, normal interaction. How long does it take for you to, 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 to do that whole notary thing with somebody? Well, I've been doing it for a year and a half. No, no. So. I mean the actual transaction itself. If I come to you and I go, Hey, oh. Rodney, I need this notarized. How much time do you have to put into that? Cool. Usually about 20 minutes. Oh, my gosh. That's pretty good. Yeah. And what's nice, it's there's a really low overhead, so it's really yeah. nice because it goes, yeah. So, wow. Do you get to write off mileage and things of that nature since you're driving? Of course. So it's a pretty good little uh, self-employed yeah. business. It can be. What yeah. do you think your potential is if you're maxed well, out? My goal is just not to be by myself. 
Um, no, no, I'm uh, saying I, you're, you could run for office, Rodney. I love asking you some of these <laughs> questions. You take me in another direction. How much uh, well, money I, do you think you could make if you maxed out as a notary? What What do you think you could do in a year? Well, the the deal is I'm limited by the state on how much I could charge per person. Okay. But um, but based however, on that, though, do you think you could make 50, 60? Oh, easily. Yeah. Oh, all right. Very good. What do you think the yeah. max is? There, there really isn't any max. It's just how you play your time. All right. Very um, good. All right. I, I Could you make six figures? Easily. Well, I'm telling you, Rodney, I'd get after it. I took, hey, it took me a while to get him there, but we got the six figures. I love it. Rodney, thank you so much for the call. Really good stuff. Hey, folks, where there's a will, there's a way, and Rodney is a great example of that. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.